when I first met you, mm-hmm. 2002, and we were talking about the Tanakh. And I said to you, you know, but Nehemiah, you know, what Yeshua teaches is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And you evangelized me. Do you remember what you said? No. <laughs> yes, you did. Welcome to Hebrew Gospel Pearls 29. I'm calling it the Roll Up the Sleeve series. <laughs> Why? Because we are here studying with Dr. Nehemiah Gordon, PhD from Bar-Ilan University. It's not a joke for me. It's something I take very, very seriously. I'm very, very honored to be able to study with you, Nehemiah, and I represent mm. all of our study partners around the world, say the world. The world. Who are joining with us in this process. We're already a couple episodes into season four. Mm. We're now up to episode, as I mentioned, 29, and we're going to get right into it. We're going to start, yeah. Nehemiah, with you uh, giving us the Hebrew after I give us the English of two verses, folks. Oh, got to stop. Got to tell folks something. What do I got to tell them? We already have people who are preparing for our study together by going to the Red Letter Series. Mm-hmm. They have to be study partners and seeing the verses ahead that we're going to be looking at. So we have people right now who've actually gone through the process of going in, getting the information, the inspiration, revelation, and preparing in the comments section at both sites so that we're able to kind of take that information and go from there. So we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 in mm-hmm. English. Yes. I'm reading this. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Let's hear it from you. Very clear, right? <laughs> if you bring uh, your sacrifice to the altar and you remember that you, or you mentioned is another possibility, we'll get to that, Mm -hmm. that you had some judgment with your fellow, with your uh, friend, and he is uh, enraged because of you, because of some matter, leave your sacrifice there before the altar and go to appease him first and afterwards bring your sacrifice. Awesome, awesome. There's so many things to talk about here. Yeah. Um, But I think the first one I want to talk about is what is the purpose of a sacrifice? Excellent. Excellent. So the Hebrew word for sacrifice is korban. Mm-hmm. Korban comes from the word karav, which is to bring something close. Mm-hmm. That is, you're presenting something, bringing it close to God. Mm-hmm. That's a sacrifice. Now, interestingly, the Greek has uh, for lahakriv, yakriv korban, he will, and, and, the, and the verb, for um, sacrifices, lehakriv, mm-hmm. to bring close. So you say makriv koban, bring close the sacrifice. Both the word to bring the sacrifice and the word for sacrifice itself, both are from the same three-letter Hebrew root, kuf resh bet, which means close or to bring close. Mm-hmm. The Greek is prosagage uh, dora, which is to offer a gift. Yes. And so 
that's the Greek here of, for example, Leviticus 1, 2, chapter 1, verse 2, Yakiv Koban is posagage dora, to offer a gift. Mm-hmm. So it's a different concept in Greek. Um, what is the purpose of a sacrifice in the, in the Torah? Mm-hmm. And we've done a, talked about this probably in more detail than we'll go into today. Um, where did, where did it, we in, talk about in the, this? Um, well, in the Torah pearls that we did and 10 we went over years Leviticus. ago. It would be in Leviticus. <laughs> in the first Torah portion, the portion of Vayikra. Hours. Hours. Did we talk about it for hours? I don't remember. <laughs> yes. um, we actually now have a transcript of that. And uh, when we did the transcript, um, you know, we, we, it was very complicated because, first of all, there's multiple people talking. And secondly, I, I'm told I talk fast. I, I don't think I do, but people think I talk fast. And then I'm throwing in a lot of Hebrew words. Mm-hmm. So we needed to have someone who's fluent in English to transcribe it and who um, has a background in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having a process where we'd have two fluent Hebrew speakers who were also fluent in English. Mm-hmm. Would uh, One would transcribe it, the other would check their transcription. And then we would have somebody check the English grammar because these were native Hebrew speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that the transcription is correct because <laughs> I haven't checked it myself, but it's, it's uh, as correct as one could hope under the circumstances. So go check that out, guys, Torah Pearls. But there's really two purposes of, of sacrifice here. Um, one is thanksgiving, and the other is atonement. Mm-hmm. And the Greek, where it talks about doha, which is a gift, I think that really only reflects the idea of a Thanksgiving offering and not an atonement offering, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because, I mean, what is the context here? Whether you're reading it in the English from the Greek or, or seeing what the Hebrew has to say here, um, the, the idea here is that you're coming before the altar and there's some aspect of repentance. Mm. And the message of, I think, what Yeshua is saying is, before you can get right with God, you have to get right with your fellow man. I mean, isn't that how most people understand it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, th- so that reflects a concept of sacrifice where it's, it's not a Thanksgiving offering, it's actually an atonement sacrifice. Mm. Now there's this uh, claim, this thought, that sacrifice is only for unintentional sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know that we have entirely the time to get into all of that, but I want to look at Numbers fifteen twenty-two to 31, if we're going to talk about sacrifices. And, and maybe we'll just read verses 30 to 31. Can we mm-hmm. look at that? Mm-hmm. Um, can I get you to read that? Yes, Numbers actually. 15. Now, here's the deal, Nehemiah. Yeah. I just wanted to tell you, I'm yeah. very excited about this. I, I changed yeah. my English Bible. Oh. What did you say you wanted me to read? Well, we're going to look at Numbers 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to read the whole. Well, let's read it. Start in verse 22. 15 and verse 22? Yeah. You probably didn't hear about this. This is my grandma's Bible. Is it really? 19, I don't know that 19, story. Yeah, I won't go into the great detail Wait, of the story. We did a, whole seri- did a whole series. You did? Probably didn't even see the series. Never heard of it. <laughs> Where is it on your website? No, no, no. It's the name of God, pure and simple. and Shabbat Night Live. Oh. I did a whole oh, series. Oh, you did it here? And I, I, I used this Bible, okay, the grandma's this Bible. This is right. a 1901 version. So it's got stuff in here like, you know. Pretty cool. Like what? Yeah, no, lots of stuff. But anyway, let's, cool. let's, I, I don't want to, tell me what's the verse? Numbers 15, 22, we're going to, because uh, here it's talking about unintentional sin. Okay, 22 until what? Uh, we're going to go through 31. Oh my goodness. And now I'm reading the old King James here, guys, on purpose. If ye have erred and not observed all these commandments, which the Lord hath spoken unto uh, Moses, even all that the Lord hath commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day that the Lord commanded Moses and uh, henceforward among your generations. Then it shall be ought to committed by ignorance without, <laughs> if ought 
be committed by Meaning ignorance. Of anything. <laughs> right? Yeah. Ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor unto the Lord, which is meat mm. offering and his drink offering according to the manner, and one kid uh, of the goats for a sin offering. So what's this describing? What this is describing is there's something that that the congregation does that's a sin, and it's unintentional. Now, mm -hmm. how how do you do something unintentionally? What does that mean, mm -hmm. right? So there's there's um, I think two major possibilities. We talked about this in, in Torah pearls as well. Um, I think we did. So uh, one sort of unintentional sin is uh, I do something that I don't realize is forbidden by the Torah. Mm. Right? That's an unintentional sin. Or there's another scenario where I know that's forbidden by the Torah, but I don't realize I'm doing it, mm -hmm. right? And let's take for the example, um, I, I didn't have a Torah education, and I didn't realize it's forbidden to eat shrimp. Mm -hmm. And so I'm eating shrimp, and somebody says, wait, you're not allowed to eat that shrimp, it's forbidden in the Torah. Okay, that's unintentional sin. Mm -hmm. Another scenario is, I know shrimp is forbidden, and I'm eating something, and I don't know. I don't. I think it's you know. I think it's a uh, uh, somebody offers white white fish or something, and I find out later. Oh, they mixed in some shrimp in there. All right. So those are two types of unintentional sin. That's what Numbers is talking about wow. here. And in that situation, you need to um, bring a certain type of sacrifice. Certain types of sacrifice, sin offerings. Mm -hmm. Let's read verse twenty-five. Okay. It says the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven for them. For it is ignorance, and, and the Hebrew doesn't say ignorance. It says shkaga, uh, which is unintentional sin or accident. Mm -hmm. And they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire unto Yehovah, and their sin offering before Yehovah for, for their ignorance, again, their unintentional sin. And it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger that sojourns among them, seeing all the people were in ignorance or they acted bishkaga, mm -hmm. that is, uh, with unintentional. And it says, now here's the key. And if any soul through ignorance, then he sh uh, shall bring a shigo. So in mm -hmm. other words, now it's the individual. Before it was the congregation. Mm -hmm. We'll skip ahead. Same thing. Basically, you bring the sacrifice. Verse 30 to 31 is the key. Got it. But the soul that does anything presumptuously. What does presumptuously Whether he be born. And in the Hebrew, it says, <laughs> bayad rama, <laughs> with a high hand. Yes. Right? Yes. God, I'm, I know it's forbidden to shrimp. Eat shrimp. I know you forbade that. And I know this is shrimp, and I'm still going to do it because I don't care what you have to say, God. Okay. That's biyadrama okay. with a high hand. So anyone who uh, does anything with a high hand, whether you be born in the land or a stranger, the same re uh, reproaches the, uh, Yehovah. That is that person. He is blaspheming, is literally what, what it could be translated, or he's cursing God through his act. Mm -hmm. That soul should, soul should be cut off from his people because he has despised the word of Yehovah and has broken his commandment. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. So if you have, do something intentionally where you know it's a sin and you just don't care, you're doing it with biyad rama, and, and I'm going to get back to just don't care because I want to I be careful here of what it says. Um, the sacrifice doesn't help you. Now, there is a difference between two different types of things that are not accidental. And yad rama I don't think applies to both of them. Mm -hmm. One of them is, yeah, I know it's a sin and I just don't care because... I don't care what God has to say. Yeah. Uh, the other is, um, in a moment of weakness, I do something I know I'm not supposed to do. Hmm. And I once had this conversation with my father, um, and I said, my father was an Orthodox rabbi, and I said to him, I said, there are certain people in your congregation who you know they sin. You have adulterers in your congregation. 
and you know they were caught in adultery and they still come to your congregation, why do you treat them differently than people who choose a certain lifestyle that is a sinful lifestyle? And my father, without, <laughs> I'll never forget this, because he was quoting Yeshua. How old were you when you asked this question? I don't remember. But I knew he was, <laughs> no, I think it was an, I was an adult. Okay, um, I was like, goodness gracious. Be, because I knew he was quoting Yeshua without realizing it was Yeshua. My father said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I'm like, he has no idea he's quoting the New Testament. But his point was, there's, and, he, and it's a profound point, I think. He's 100% right. I think that's what Yad Rama means. There's a difference between I sin in a moment of weakness or I sin because I'm weak versus I sin and I declare what I'm doing to be righteous. That's what Yad Rama is. Yad Rama is I'm sinning and you know what? God has to accept what I do. And so do you. That's Yad Rama, to do something with a high hand. That's what God says here. That's not going to be forgiven. That's not going to be forgiven unless there's genuine repentance. Yes. The, sac- the, rep- the sacrifice requires repentance as well, as we c- we'll see if we have time. But, um, but there, the sacrifice is useless to someone who does it be Yad Rama, who says, you have to accept my lifestyle. God has to accept it too, or God is hateful. Well, God forbade it. Well, God better accept me because he's all love and he's required to accept me. That's to do something presumptuously. That's to do it with a high hand. And that is the place where it says, yeah, the sacrifices have no help to you. You bury your sin. Now, what does a person who sin, what do they do? Well, we have repentance, right? It talks about repentance in Deuteronomy 4, 25 to 31. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, let's see what it says there, 25 to 31. Um, uh, can you read it? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, mean, no I thought worries. you were tap tapping. Give me again. Yeah, well, I got Deuteronomy, which one? 425 to 31. <clears throat> 25 to 31. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. Boy, that sounds like what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, we, we quoted a, <laughs> a similar verse with that actual verse. Okay, yeah. now how far you want me to go? Uh, to 31. I love how he says, As I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye uh, shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over uh, the Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among uh, the heathen, whither the Lord shall uh, lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither ye nor Hear, nor eat, nor smell. So these are people See, who, hear, eat, or smell. who yes. they've, they've lived long in the land and they become corrupt and they sin through idolatry. Mm. And they're exiled from the land. They're punished. Right Now, it gives them a way back. And let's hear what that way back is. It doesn't say anything about sacrifice. Let's okay, see what you want happens. to keep reading? 29? Yeah. Okay. yeah. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt uh, uh, find him. If thou seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. So, so sacrifice isn't part of this picture. This Mm-mm. is not unintentional sin. This is people who, you know, they sinned because they wanted to. Mm-hmm. They sinned because their neighbors were, were worshiping idols. And they said, what? We want to worship our God with an idol too. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we want to worship that other God so those people will accept us. And those people, they can find God. They can return to God. But they have to seek him with all of their heart and soul. Mm-hmm. Keep going. 
When thou art in tribulation, say tribulation. Tribulation. And all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore upon them. So here in uh, verse 30 is actually something really important, which is um, return to Yehovah mm -hmm. and return there. That word in Hebrew is the word repent. Mm -hmm. right? In later Hebrew, we have the form tshuva. Mm -hmm. In biblical Hebrew, it's just shuv without the tav at the beginning. But it's the word repentance. Mm -hmm. right? So there's a process of repentance in the Torah that doesn't involve sacrifice. And why does that work? Right? I mean, because if we sin, surely God should just you know, carry out the, the judgment. Mm -hmm. and there's, you, know, mm -hmm. you, you should just die for your sin, right? But Exodus 34, 6 to 7, have taught on this in the past. Moses asked God, what are your attributes? What's your characteristics? Mm -hmm. And God says, Yehovah, Yehovah, Yehovah is Yehovah. El Rechum B'chanun, a God who's merciful and gracious, mm -hmm. slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faith, uh, etc." So there's mercy, mm -hmm. there's grace, and God has that. That's part of God's characteristics. Jeremiah 7, 25 to 26 mm -hmm. also addresses this issue. Um, from the days your fathers left the land of Egypt until today, and though I kept sending all my servants, the prophets, to them daily and persistently, they would not listen to me or give ear. They stiffened their necks. They acted worse than their fathers. Um, and so we have this, uh, this process where Israel is, is just, they want to sin. They like sinning. Mm -hmm. Ezekiel 18, 21 to 23 um, talks about this idea of repentance. Mm -hmm. And uh, moreover, if the wicked one repents of all the sins that he committed and keeps all my laws and does, all that, uh, does what is right, uh, just and right, he shall live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions he mm. committed, now these are intentional tra transgressions, right? Mm -hmm. This is the person who sacrifice doesn't help him. And that's part of Yeshua's message here. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice is not a panacea. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm -hmm. You can't just bring a sacrifice and still be a sinful person. Mm -hmm. And if you have, a, if you have a, uh, an issue with your neighbor and, you're, and, you're, um, and you, you know, bring a sacrifice, leave the sacrifice, mm -hmm. walk away, mm -hmm. and go make sure you're right with your neighbor. It says, none of the transgressions he committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness he has practiced, he shall live. So this is a person who turned from sinfulness to a life mm -hmm. of righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's true repentance, right? Nothing to do with sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. this, and this is a theme throughout the Tanakh. God says, is my desire that a person, a wicked person shall, uh, he says, is it my desire that a person, wicked person shall die, says Lord Yehovah? Is it rather that he shall turn away from his ways and live? So, so there's this idea in the Tanakh that God wants you to repent, mm -hmm. right? And those sacrifices, those help when you have the unintentional sin, and in some cases, intentional sins, right? Certain types of mm -hmm. intentional sins. Um, but ultimately, you need to have repentance. Mm -hmm. And Yeshua is addressing, this is something the prophets said. They talk about, you know, what the prophets, do I want these rivers of blood? And then famously, in, uh, uh, so Samuel said to Saul, he said, um, uh, he said, God wants obedience, not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Right, so people think, oh, I'll just get out of the get out of jail free card. I'll bring the blood of the animal, and and that blood will cleanse me. And Yeshua is saying that blood's not going to help you if you're still sinning. Mm -hmm. it, don't try to get right with God if you've got something where you're not right with man. Mm -hmm. So, so Nehemiah, yes. I, I just want to say something here. What I what I find interesting about the verse mm -hmm. is that uh, a theme, and the theme is as if 
Please mm. allow me to use an image. Yeah. Can I, can I just use an image? Please don't be offended. What's that? When I first became uh, a, a part of the church, um, I heard this verse from Yeshua that said, um, to love God mm-hmm. and to love people. And I remember a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Youth pastor stands up and he says, how are you going to remember this? He says, it's the sign of the cross. So what's the sign of the cross? Now just bear with me now. You're going to like this. Okay. The sign of the cross was there's a vertical relationship, your relationship with God. Now, this is me early. I was, listen, mm-hmm. folks, I am an unchurched guy. I didn't know the church. I didn't hear about the church. I was 14 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. So for me, this is brand new stuff. Okay. He says, so, that, he says, so the first you have to have a relationship with God that's vertical. Mm-hmm. Then you have to have a horizontal relationship. That's with the people around you. Mm. And I remember thinking about that, thinking, you know, so is that really necessary? And the more that I grew in my faith, I was like, man, it's so much easier for me to have this relationship with God. It's so difficult to have a relationship with people. Mm -hmm. And this idea that if you had this this gift that you're bringing, that you're bringing it to God, he would say, leave to rest that there and go and take care of business with Mm -hmm. someone else. I mean, it just, it, it, it almost seemed like, that was just too radical. But is that something beyond what Yeshua taught in other parts of the Tanakh? Uh, I would say there's definitely here a, a major, um, uh, and this is interesting, there's this major split between Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And Yeshua, especially what he's teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, is on the side of Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Christianity is almost alien to what he's yes. teaching. So the Christian ideal, and by Christian, I know some people say, well, they weren't Christians. Well, is yeah. what people thought were Christians. Right. right. In the fir- early centuries of the Christian movement, the ideal was to be a monk who lives out in the mountains in a cave exactly. on the, and has no interaction with the world. That's spiritual. That's the ideal. That's true spirituality. Everything else is of the world, and you're participating in the world, you're of the world, and you're mm-hmm. lacking your spiritual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Judaism, and this I think is correct representation of the Tanakh and what Yeshua was teaching, the ideal is you're part of the human Come on with that. community. Yes. You're part of the community you live in, mm-hmm. and you interact with people every day, mm-hmm. and you overcome your desire to sin. Mm-hmm. My, my desire is to gossip. My desire is to be jealous. My desire is to covet. And what Yeshua is teaching and what the Tanakh teaches is you live within that world and you overcome those things. And you're not always perfect. And that's why we have repentance. That's why we have mercy. That's why we have grace. And I'm going to tell you something. I, and again, I think I might have told this before, but I'm going to say it again. I was embarrassed when we started to first, when I first met you in mm-hmm. 2002, and we were talking about the Tanakh. And I said to you, you know, but Nehemiah, you know, what Yeshua teaches is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And you evangelized me. Do you remember what you said? No, I, yes, you did. You evangelized, evangelized me and you, you said, okay. Keith, do you know where that verse comes from? I'm saying, what do you mean? It came from Yeshua. And what did you tell me? It's from Leviticus 19.19 and Deuteronomy 6. The old book with all of those laws? What are you talking about? I mean, I'm telling you, when that happened. And again, the mm-hmm. idea that this idea that he's talking about making relationship with God and making relationship with each other, that mm-hmm. you would literally slow down and stop what you're doing as your religious act. Well, this I mean, is actually something, like, you know, this is something we were taught yeah. growing up is that there's two types of commandments. There's ben adam lechavero, between a man and his fellow, and ben adam lamakom, between man and God. Amen. Right, those are two types of commandments, between man and man and between God, man and God. And what Yeshua is saying is, 
Don't think you can get right with God if you're not right with man. Mm. If you've wronged your fellow, you can you can ask God for all the repentance in the world you want. Yeah. You can you can bring all the sacrifices you want. You got to make it right with with men first. There's this famous story of this Nazi who is on his deathbed in one of the camps. Mm-hmm. He's a guard, and they bring in one of the Jewish prisoners, and he says, "I'm about to die, and I and I have to ask you to forgive me. I have the blood of tens of thousands of people on my hands." tens of thousands of your, your fellow Jews that I killed, and now I, I'm about to face God, and I know this is wrong. Can you, would you forgive me? And the Jew said, and imagine a Jew is standing before a, a Nazi guard, and, and he's saying no. He says, I can't forgive you because you didn't kill me, not yet. You need forgiveness from every one of those people whose blood you shed. And that's what Yeshua is teaching here. If you have um, done wrong to another human being, you need that person to forgive you, before God is willing to forgive you. That's what Yeshua is teaching, which is a profound teaching. Now, now Nehemiah, uh, yeah. this is this whole series we're calling, uh, yeah. uh, studying with Dr. Nehemiah Gordon, yeah. PhD from Bar-Alan University. There are some words in this fr- mm. in, in these, these next two verses. One of them, our study uh, assistant Nelson came up with, I thought yeah. was just phenomenal. We have a bunch of notes. Oh, this is really no, I'm powerful. I'm just telling you, there's some things right now. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. you know, but tell me, where, where do you think? I mean, we're at... 25 minutes right now. So I think they'll have to be in the plus section. I want, before we go, yeah. before we end the, the, the public section, I want to quote a man on TikTok named John Brown. Excellent. And he was, there was this woman who was talking about how she was doing a, a teaching on the Sermon, a study on the Sermon on the Mount, not even, <laughs> not even teaching. And, I, and this comes up in my TikTok feed. And he posts something that was so profound, I took a screenshot and sent it to you. And John Brown wrote, he said, the Sermon on the Mount is not the gospel. We live in the New Testament epistles. <laughs> in other words, we don't want to hear. We don't need to hear about that. We don't even care what Yeshua said. That's, we don't live our lives by what Yeshua taught in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Mm. We don't live in the Sermon on the Mount. We are now in a new dispensation, mm-hmm. and that dispensation, this new period of history, ceased with the death of Jesus on the cross. And now in this new period of history, we're living in the era of the epistles meaning the writings of Paul primarily, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't really care. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't want to hear too much about James, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so I thought that was incredible yeah. that somebody would say that so clearly. Now, I don't know who this John Brown is. That might not yeah. be his real name. Yeah. But I think it reflects the view of many Christians that, yeah, until all was fulfilled, everything, everything that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount is no longer relevant or certainly not binding. That's not the world in which we live and, and, and when you look at this passage, which is talking about bringing sacrifice before the altar, I understand where they're getting that idea, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, we don't even have a sacrifices. Nobody brings sacrifices anymore. Well, but in the time of Paul, they were still bringing sacrifices. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point in Acts where they say, you know, since people say you're teaching against the Torah, come to the temple and perform a ceremony where people know that you're not teaching against the Torah. Oh. Show them that. So, so in 70 A.D., the, or CE, the, the, it's true, the temple was destroyed, but there was a 40-year period or so, approximately, after um, Yeshua's earthly ministry, as it's called, until the temple was destroyed, where there were people who believed in Yeshua who were bringing sacrifices. <laughs> and there were people who heard the Sermon on the Mount, and they said, wow, I've got the sacrifice I brought, and I realized I've wronged my neighbor. Now, what do you do after there's no more sacrifices to bring? 
Well, the Tanakh, Tanakh, we'll talk about the oh, next we half. Have, we have okay, to, we have we'll to, talk about that this, in the next half. Folks, I hope that you take advantage of this. And, and, and what's, what's so important about that mm. is, is what John Brown is saying is we don't live in that world. We don't have mm-hmm, sacrifices. Mm-hmm. We don't have altars. Mm-hmm. But it's still relevant today. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is understand what Yeshua said for the period of altars. How does that apply today? And that's the key to understanding this in not just the context of the, today, yeah. but the context of 71 AD, mm. the context of 135 AD, mm. and the context of 2022. Mm. That's what you need is to understand the answer for that's in the Tanakh. This is why studying with Dr. Nehemia Gordon, PhD from Bar-Alan, is no small thing. I appreciate that, Nehemia. We're going to go to the plus section, and in the plus section, you become mm. a, a, a premium member at BFA International, and you have access to everything, including biblical Hebrew course, ah, so many things. But again, mm-hmm. for you folks that are listening right now, yeah. I just did an exercise. Nehemia didn't play with it too much, but my friend Brian, I call him Jib Master. <laughs> he owns an Android, and I asked Nehemia to open up his Apple phone, and he opened his Apple phone, and I've got my Apple phone. For those of you that are listening right now that are not in our uh, study partners, not rolling up the sleeves, we have created an entire free app for you to have access to uh, episodes 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31 of our public episodes. Hmm. People around the world, Africa, Asia, you take your phone, you go to BFA Flicks. In fact, I want your people. Wait, so that's like- Wait, just a second now. Wait, it's a cute thing. It's like Netflix, but BFA Flicks? No, we mean a cute thing. It's it's, it's hot. (laughs) No, BFA Flicks, Biblical Foundations Academy. You can do Mm -hmm. either one in the Android uh, um, store, which Brian just did. Took him two seconds. You don't have to have your email. You don't have to have your credit card. You don't have to register. All you do is get it. You have access to everything free. Mm. We don't track you. We're not looking for you. And why did we do this, Nehemia? Because we are on platforms where they do that very thing. We want to be able to get to a place where people have access to it without agenda. Same thing at the Apple Store. Same thing, mm. BFA Flix. You'll have uh, a free app. Every make, make sure that you do that right now. Click it. You got the free app. Nehemia, is there anything else we want to say? We're about to go to the There's plus. There's a whole lot we want to say. They're we'll have say, to say it for the plus. Understand <laughs> for the plus, folks. Please understand. Yeah. We're giving you uh, our free folks as much as we can right now, but we're mm-hmm. going to move to our rolling up the sleeves study partners. Uh, you become a, a partner, a, a BFA premium member, or at Nehemia's Wall uh, supporters, and as a result, studies, they have yeah. access to what Nehemia. You already know the story. Go ahead and say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to come before you and giving us this um, system of sacrifice and, and the system that then you teach us in the Tanakh what we can do when there's no sacrifice and letting us understand that we must be right with our fellows to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and in the same way love Yehovah our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our essence. Yes. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the challenge that Yeshua has put forward to us that even as we approach you, even now in this prayer, as I come before you to offer gift, (laughs) a prayer, I have to ask myself the question, is there anything going out there that I need to get right with others? And I will continue to take this message and apply it in my life. I pray that those that are listening would do the same. Thank you for the entire uh, Tanakh that has a a message of both uh, love for you and repentance, change, uh, shifting, molding, shaping all the things that take place that we have in our lives that we can do to make our our relationship with you whole and true. Bless this process we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you.